Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light, joined by Ari Wasserman. And Ari, I've introduced us as Stars Matter, but yeah, I we're, we're going to change. A, you got a different name for us. Change the uh, name of the show to Dudes Everywhere. What do you think? Um, it seems to be okay. catching on. It seems it's to be okay. catching on. Uh, Georgia has a lot of stars, but I think Dudes Everywhere is more specific to what it takes to win a national championship, which I think might be more. I mean, you have some good stars, and those matter on some teams. But if you have dudes, your stars everywhere, need to turn really into good. dudes. You need to recruit yeah. stars and turn them into dudes. Yes, that's a little clunky though for a title though. So I don't know. I'm no How marketing about stars expert. everywhere. Okay, I'm no marketing expert, Ari. But you know, we've been doing the show for about 15 months now. It seems like you know. Okay, I, all right. We'll stick with stars. To... Matter them. Yeah, but okay. I like it though. It's a good theory. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's funny that it's catching on. Yeah. Uh, no. I, well, you did a little. Once you give a little background, you mentioned it. Uh, you started talking about it on your show with Andy. And then people yeah. have been asking about it in the mailbag questions. So it's uh well, it's just kind of like when we were watching the Tennessee Georgia game a few weeks ago, Mitch, and we were talking on this show and on the Andy Staples show about whether or not going into that Georgia game, if we thought that Tennessee would be good enough to win a national championship this year. And remember, as the number 19 overall team in the 247 sport composite talent rank team talent rankings, that would have been very low for for the type of team that I would anticipate. It makes you sweat, basically. It, it would make it me makes, look yeah, bad yeah. because my main premise as a human <laughs> is that you need to have an X number of of players on your team in the top 100 or at least to, to be ranked in, in the top five to eight. Probably five, eight is even pushing it to win a national championship. And, you know, it looks like Tennessee has a real shot to get it into the playoffs, so maybe it still could happen. But um, they were playing Georgia, and I just think Georgia swallowed them whole. You know what I mean? Like there was like no shot for them in that entire game. And I know that they only lost by 14 in the end. But if you watch the game, Tennessee just got eaten alive. Yeah. And I think the reason why they got eaten alive was because Georgia just inserted dudes everywhere. Like every single thing that Tennessee was trying to do, Georgia had a dude that are waiting to stop it. It's like that touchdown pass in the back of the end zone um, was from a former top 100 receiver that hasn't played at all this year. And he comes in and looks like Calvin Johnson. That's like, that's what kind of, you know, is the difference between a very good football team like Tennessee and a truly elite one that can win a national championship. Um, so I just said that there's just, there's just dudes everywhere. There's dudes everywhere on the field. You can't get away. Dudes over there, dudes over here, just dudes everywhere. And I was talking about it on the Andy Staples show, and, uh, you know, it kind of caught on to just dudes everywhere. And then in the mailbag this week, somebody asked me what the ratio of dudes everywhere has to be, and I, I think that it has to be quite literal, Mitch, that there actually does have to be dudes everywhere. And I thought that the a good – uh, point of resistance there would be 30 top 100 players out of the 85, uh, which I still think is a little bit light because Alabama and Georgia have been signing in between 10 and 15 a year. So they actually have half of a roster full of top 100 players. And AM, as we've mentioned a million times on the show, had 18 in one class. So uh, that to me is the uh, the dudes everywhere mantra. Stars matter, but dudes everywhere, I think, is the next, it's like the is the final boss. Of, of stars because good coaching staffs will find the places where you don't have dudes and they will exploit your yeah. lack of dudes in that position so yeah and I'm the more you. dudes you have the better the better the better it is you know yeah so. i was going for a run one sunday morning listening to you and andy and i'm just here already talking about dudes everywhere it was yeah great. and you were into it i bet you yeah. ran faster that mile didn't you <laughs> motivating um how's your garage are you clean um yeah i didn't even get to it on the show but uh my wife has been you know 
nagging. Uh, is that the I word? I don't want to say the right. That's not a nice word. That's not. A, yeah, I, I've mentioned uh, that word before. She's been go well, she's but. been reminding me repeatedly to get to the garage, and it was like not. A, it wasn't bad. It just had a bunch of stuff everywhere, and if you don't, you know, tend to it, you know, cobwebs and dust and all this stuff. So I, uh, you know, spent four and a half hours on my Sunday, like really giving it a nice once over instead of watching the NFL. Like I wish I was. And as I was spraying the garage down, I accidentally hit the internet box with the hose that I didn't see. I wasn't really paying attention and it, and it hit the entire internet into the house. So we didn't have internet for 36 hours and it was, uh, and you hurt your back and I hurt my back in the process, which I talked to Ari, and my, Ari was grumpy. Let me tell you. Yeah. I had a bad, a bad Sunday evening. I don't know. I pulled a muscle doing something and my back was, was in a ton of pain on Monday, but by Tuesday it had subsided for the most part. Um, so I just, I'm not very good at manual labor or doing things like that. <laughs> I, around could, the house. I could have told you that, yeah. um, but I have internet back. I see your perfect face. Thank I'm you. filing stories. We're, we're yeah. brainstorming ideas. We're talking on the phone about stories. We're, we're back, working on. We're, 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 we're firing on all cylinders. And now we've got a whole recruiting podcast to go. And I'm, I, and I couldn't be happier. Let's just talk about dudes, man. You know, who's firing on all cylinders. The Florida Gators right now well, They are on the field. They the, the biggest uh, off the th- field, yeah. But this is this doesn't happen field. a lot. I was going to say as typical, but it really hasn't happened a lot. The biggest recruiting news of the week happened the day after we recorded last week. It happened Thursday night um, when Jaden Rashada, the four-star quarterback from Pittsburgh, California, flipped from Miami to Florida. I, I would say not shocking. Like if you would have given me a list of potential top hundred players to flip, he might have he would have been near the top just because we all know that it was it was a close call. So. Obviously, I guess two-parter for you. The significance is important. He's a top 100 quarterback. Now, this isn't a top 10 player nationally. Uh, you know, he's he, I don't know if he's a guy you plug in right away to play. But I thought you had a very appropriate answer to a mm-hmm. question in your mailbag about Jaden Rashada because there's few fewer players nationally that when you say his name, the words NIL. Like Nico, yeah, Nico. Nico Jaden Rashada, there's certain guys you mention the name and then fans immediately say NIL, NIL. Well, because there was a report that when he committed to Miami that he was getting paid uh, a $9.5 million uh, NIL deal to do that over the course of his four years there. And let me tell you, if you believe that, then I've got some, what, what's the saying, oceanfront property to sell you in Iowa? Yeah, um, I, don't know that he, I don't know that he was ever going to uh, to make that much money because if he were, I think he'd still be going there because <laughs> um, that's just like don't have to work again money. But uh did you? I had. I thought a reasonable take. I was kind of yeah. spicy about it, but the the number one sore spot that I have, and you know that I've been reactionary to people in my comments, and that's been a trait that I have to work on, uh, and it's just kind of a daily battle for me. Well, uh, let me people, interrupt and say the trigger was, why don't you report what we all know, quote unquote, know from like message boards, like people, some people, I'd say, okay, maybe a small percentage of fans out there think that journalists sports writers should be reporting this when it's virtually impossible to report yeah also too the only time the only story that i've seen at any website ever uh detailing actual specific uh terms of the contract was at the athletic and right. that was uh one unnamed player who we saw contract or writer contract contracts. yeah and like for the most part it's not like that's just like go knock on the guy's door or give him a call and have his dad fax it over. Like it doesn't work that way. It's and a lot of times too. These, these guys aren't, 
signing anything right off the bat. They're committing under the agreement uh, of those things and how it actually manifests when they get to college and all the things in terms of the money passing hands and all that is, you know, it's, it's kind of like, why didn't you have proof that X team was cheating in 2005? I don't know, because I can't prove that some random booster gave them a hundred, a hundred dollars in an envelope or five grand or 10 grand or whatever made up money there is like, it's just, it's, but like the thing about it too is, and it's my number one sore spot is that we cover recruiting on this podcast and on the athletic for a living. And my number one fear with the whole NIL thing, and I said it right when it first passed and I'll say it again is that we're going to reduce the importance of recruiting coverage to just who is paying the most. Right. And I think that strips away the analysis and the entire point of even following it. Like if you think that the only reason why Florida got Jaden Rashada is because of NIL, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe there are some people that make their college decisions based solely on that. I know that if I were a recruit and I was getting offered that type of money, it would be important to me. Um, but it doesn't mean that we can't talk about Florida and what it means for them. Cause they're getting him. Like that's the new way of the world. And like, I just like my entire perspective changed on this Mitch and I should have written a column about it in April, sorry, in July or June, whenever it was when I was in California at the elite 11 and I didn't do it and I regret it now, but like I was with Jaden Rashada the week after he committed to Miami and I tried to talk to him about the NIL stuff and like the kid almost had water in his eyes because he was so frustrated by it. And I was thinking to myself, like if this was my son and he was cashing in on NIL or making a commitment with promises of financial security because of all the hard work and the talent that he has, uh, and his week was ruined from what should have been the best thing in the entire world for him. Like that kind of stinks. That's not the point of this. And I think that we like forget that these, uh, these prospects are people and have families. And, you know, we've been so brainwashed in the past of thinking that, you know, paying underaged athletes or appropriate aged athletes, adults in the college level is some sort of felony or a crime or a moral problem. And it's, it's like, all we do all day, like we work really hard at the athletic because we want to be attractive to our bosses and make more money. You know what I mean? Like, why is the pursuit of the dollar viewed as some sort of felonious activity? And it's not. Um, so the thing that was the most funniest thing to me about the whole scenario, Mitch, is that when he committed to Miami, the entire Florida fan base rose up like a tidal wave to talk about NIL and how at Miami stinks. And the only reason why they get players is because they're paying them. And then four months go by and he's flipped to Florida. And it's like, okay, psh, nothing about <laughs> it, you know? And it's just like, I think that the question is, when are you going to acknowledge NIL and the role that it's playing? I acknowledge it. I think, it, I think that we, we had a discussion on Slack yesterday, about I think, I think that every single recruitment of a player in the blue chip ratio and probably beyond has some element of NIL discussions, whether it means collective, negotiations or PowerPoint presentations from coaches about what they can expect. There's a financial element to this that is legal now. So I think that we all have to accept collectively, uh, funny enough the word there, that this is part of it. And I'm not going to write, this guy went there because he got paid or this guy went there because he got paid. I want to an uh, analyze and discuss the significance of those commitments and, and why they went there. And honestly, like it's, it's, not like this is the first time that anybody's ever made a commitment, even going back to when it was illegal over financial reasons, you know? So right. it's just what, I just don't know what people want. Like, is it just like the default? I'm going to yell about it because I'm mad that my team didn't get it. It's like, this is the latest thing that's fun to yell about in comments. Or is there an actual disconnect between what is allowed and permitted 
and what's actually occurring and the fans acceptance that this is the new world. Like, I don't even know which one it is. So like a lot of things, it's a little bit of everything. It's the, it's the frustration over losing a player. It's the, some fans aren't embracing NIL and don't think it should be a part of the equation. So yeah, I just thought your, your response was, was measured and say, it's like, we would love to dive more into the NIL. Actually, we wouldn't. I don't really care that much. But, like, we'd love to say this player got this, but it's just not feasible. Like, we we were fortunate enough, one of our colleagues saw a contract on one of the players and then was able to report it. But that's just not – And, like, if I happen. had those information or yeah. it was easier to attain, we would attain it. Like, it's right. not like it's something – it's not like a lack of trying or a, a – uh, You can't FOIA it or yeah. – Yeah, it's not like a, a Freedom of Information Act. It's not right. public information. Like, I would love to write the detailed analysis of what – Jaden Rashada was promised at both places and which deal was better and how much they're actually paying these guys. But even like how much they're being paid is subjective. I think there are certain ways that these contracts are written about, you know, length of stay and, you know, how long your rights are owned and, you know, production and all this stuff that probably goes into it. That's even more so than just, I'll give you 50 grand in cash to come here. Right. Like this isn't, I mean, it's, it's not dirty money. It's legitimate money. And there are gray areas of how you can use it as it pertains to the rules, right? Like there is inducement and all that stuff. Uh, But I just think that it's an unenforceable rule. And I just think that we all have to just acknowledge and accept that this is part of the game now. In a few minutes, we're going to go back to um, Jaden Rashada in Florida. And because I got some stats on 2023 quarterbacks, but I want to hit on a few other things. This is about a, not a recruit anymore. This is about a freshman, Harold Perkins is really, oh really good. That's and a dude. That's a dude. And I was just thinking, like, how fun it was to watch him because, like, we 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 sit here and we talk about all the top 100 guys. We talk about all the five-star guys. And we don't watch the film. We, we you know, we know these guys are good. We The, the, the 247 rivals, all the, they, they scout and they do a good job. I mean, that's their job. So we, we're not going to sit here and say, this guy's committing here. Watch him off the edge or watch the way he, you know, makes contested catches. So a lot of these times, guys, they sign – we move on to the next class, and then we might hear about him a couple of years later. I just think it's cool that I remember specifically Harold Perkins' recruitment. Obviously, we talked about it a lot. And then six months later, he's just freaking awesome. Or eight months later, yeah, he's just one of the best freshmen. that One of the most impactful defensive freshmen we've seen in, in, in years. Yeah, I also don't know, too. Like, when's the last time there's been a freshman this impactful that wasn't a five-star? Like, there are certain – there's a he's certain – He's a five-star. What do you mean? That's what I'm saying. That wasn't yeah, okay. like this. Oh. Yeah, like – because, like, when you look at the star rankings, you go, ah, well, some five stars pan out and some don't. But the upside. By the way, he was, was number eight. He was a high five star. There's, yeah, there's yeah. Guys in the 20, he was number eight national. And he almost went to AM. He was committed yeah. there for a while. Like, um, but the, the stars mattering thing about high end five star prospects, it is just like your ability to, to put your thumbprint on the team immediately and your potential and your ceiling is so much higher. And I'm not saying that a three-star prospect can't come into a game as a freshman and and make plays. I mean, I remember Chris Olave was a three-star, um, you know, back in the day, and he made huge plays his freshman year before he became one of the best receivers in Ohio State history. So We're probably I know that some it happens. Backs, wouldn't you say? I, I would yeah, say it's like, probably the, like three. C.J. Donaldson at West Virginia, maybe. Yeah. But like the but way that Harold Perkins. Perkins is playing right now, I think you could make the legitimate case that he is a top five player in college football. Right yeah, now. like he was. I was in my hotel Saturday doing a little bit of work. I had the game on and just every time I'd look up the, you know, I've I was wrecking him. Yeah. It was just like Harold Perkins again, Harold Perkins again. It was just, it was, 
I mean, yeah, it was one of the better performances. Yeah, it'll be a top 15 pick. And I just think that that also, too, is like what you get with a five-star prospect. There are multiple types of five-star prospects. Um, some of them take a few years to develop, and then when they do, they're awesome. And then sometimes they don't pan out. But then sometimes they show up on campus and are just mauling people. I mean, look what JT Tuimaloa was doing at Ohio State right now. Right. And he individually but it took, took him a over year and the, a half. the Penn State yeah. game, and it took him a while. So, yeah. like, it's just – it's a uh, – you know, it's a different journey, but I do think that whenever you get a top 10 player nationally, there's a certain caliber of athlete that only exists in that space. And that is an, un, an irrefutable, undeniable fact that there is a certain caliber of player that is more capable of doing things physically that others aren't. And, and it makes it frustrating for fan bases and coaching staffs when they get a guy ranked that high or that they like that much. Who's not like you. Antonio Morales writes frequently at USC. They're still waiting on Corey Foreman to do that. And he was supposed to be a, an an automatic canvas defensive end. I mean, how much did we spend? I mean, were we we working together during his recruitment? Yeah, we were. Yeah. We, yeah. It was when we started. Um, Um, He's, he's finishing up his second year now and really has, he gets on the field some, but he was third team, their third team, I think rush in for a while this year. They've had some injuries there. So the thing that's most frustrating about that for USC too, is that if Corey Foreman turned out to play like Harold Perkins or was a Bosa type player, right an edge rusher, the five-star number two overall player. I mean, the guy was 6'5", 270 in high school. And that's not an evaluation thing, like where they miss it. Like everyone takes that guy. He's number one. He's yeah, yeah, right, first. right. But if he were producing that way right, right now. I know what you're getting at. What would a USC's team be? Like if you think about like what USC's issue is, I think that it's all defensively, right? I mean, they've got Caleb Williams and Jordan right. Addison. And, you know, I know they just lost their running back for Travis a while. Steiger, but like, yeah. yeah, but like. You add in a bona fide first round defensive end to that team, you have a team that might be undefeated that is in the top four and walking into the playoff right now. And like that is like how, when you get a five star prospect, that's how delicate it can they be. They needed one more dude, Ari. One, one more, more dude. dude. Yeah. One more dude to be somewhere at, at the right time. Cause they had that dude. It, like, he just, they had, he didn't turn into a dude. Think about like right. one, one strip sack in the season or one yeah. strip sack in the Utah game that could have changed the entire. You know, it, it is funny because you need all these dudes everywhere to win a national championship. But sometimes the difference is having one dude somewhere. And the thing about Georgia is when you sign five Corey Foremans, even if three of them are the real Corey Foreman, you got two more options to actually hit the nail on the head and get that guy in the field. That's the real key. That's it. I mean, they, they that's Georgia, why Georgia doesn't need its its five star defensive lineman to pan out because they've got multiple. four other ones. Yeah. At every so. position. And that's how yeah. you get dudes everywhere. Let's, and that's um, why I was so high on AM, Mitch. Yeah. A lot of dudes. A lot of dudes. On paper. No, a lot, lot, lot of stars. Not a lot of dudes yet. A lot of a lot of stars. But like Evan Stewart's a dude. Yeah, he's a dude on offense. All right, let's let's hit on the quarterbacks because Jaden Rashada was not the only flip this week. Kenny or no, he's not a flip yet. Kenny Menchie, kid here from Nashville at uh, Pope John Paul uh in Hendersonville, northern suburb. Longtime commitment to Pitt decommitted this week there seems to be a lot of notre dame smoke there has not committed yet so i just ran the numbers a little bit 14 power five teams do not have a quarterback this year auburn cal georgia georgia tech kentucky michigan michigan state notre dame Pitt, south carolina stanford tcu texas a&m and vanderbilt of those 14, four have 2024 20, quarterbacks committed, Auburn, Georgia, North, Notre Dame, and South Carolina. Um, all, by the way, all four of the future Big 12 teams do, uh, Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, and uh, BYU. 
Uh, only two teams have two quarterbacks. This is this is probably we should go back and I bet this is pretty rare. Like we, we've written about it, you've written about it, is how teams aren't signing multiple quarterbacks much anymore. Do you know the two teams that have two quarterbacks? I don't. Well, you know one of them. You're just blanking on it. Alabama. Uh, oh yeah. With Eli Holstein and Dylan Lonergan, and now Florida. Two with, very good ones too. Yeah, with uh, yeah, both Alabamas are top ten quarterbacks, and then uh, Florida now with Jaden Rashada and uh, Marcus Stokes, who the Penn State. Yeah. Uh, so they have two. So um, just just some numbers there. Um, you know, I think we talked a couple of weeks ago about those. If you don't have a 2023 quarterback and you've got a 24, there's less less sense of urgency. You feel I guess a little bit for Pitt, right? Yes, and you. That was another mailbag question. It's like. They identify a kid in in Nashville, and if there's a time to sell Pitt as a passing team, it was this summer. They had another guy named Kenny who won ACC, was the ACC Offensive Player of the Year. I assume he was. He was a first-round yeah, first draft, draft pick. Cause... But then what happens is the the coach of that team, they switch coordinators, and he says that they threw the ball too much in, in last year. So, like, if you're a quarterback and your coach is saying, hey, we threw the ball too much, that place becomes a little bit less attractive. I think – but he stayed committed. I think the deal here is that Notre Dame offered him. Yeah, yeah. The funniest thing too, Mitch, is that the random and the random colleges that the best quarterbacks in the NFL went to. Oh yeah, like it's like Texas Tech isn't a, re- a quarterback recruiting factory. They just happen to have a generational talent on their roster, and Patty Mahomes. You know, like Patty. Aaron Rodgers went to Cal. Yeah, yeah Patty. You got a problem with me calling? No, Patty? you guys, you guys buds. I just call him Patty. Okay, that's fine. Uh, Davis Mills. Long neck Mills. Yeah. Stanford. Stanford. Well, Stanford Stanford's recruited quarterbacks well. That, they have. Past 10 Andrew Luck years. went to Stanford. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, go down the list. Cal, who are the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now? Uh, Josh Allen, Wyoming. Wyoming. <laughs> um, Geno's, <laughs> Geno Smith, baby. West Virginia. West Virginia. I'm, I'm looking at the best one. Tom Brady went to Michigan. Aaron Aaron Rodgers went to Cal. Yeah. Russell Wilson went to NC State in Wisconsin, which is hilarious because Wisconsin's the black hole. Kirk Cousins, yeah. Michigan State. Matt Ryan, Boston College. Matt Stafford, Georgia. Tannehill, A&M. There's two, there's two and a half. Andy there's Dalton, three starting quarterbacks with Alabama. Too. Yeah. Drew Brees went to Purdue. Drew Brees he's, retired. He's not in the league. I know <laughs> Joe Flacco, the elite yeah. Joe Flacco. Pitt and then Delaware. It's all over the place. Okay, yeah. Um, so we got there's more. There's actually more decommitment slap slash. Where did Dan Dan Fouts go to college? Do you know? Uh, Oregon. That's funny that you know that stuff. Well, I'm older than you, but I know more stuff than I'm, I, I know did, more. I did best. I, I googled best quarterbacks in the NFL, and I got a bunch of. Where did Boomer Esiason go? Maryland. Where did Ken Anderson go? I believe he went to a college that – no, that's Neil Lomax. Neil Lomax went to a college that does not exist anymore. Do you remember Neil Lomax? No. I don't remember where Ken, – shoot, Ken Anderson went. Did you Google it? Are you going to Google where Ken Anderson went? Uh, I can look it up real quick. Ken Anderson, NFL. Let's see. I think it's somewhere obscure. Uh, Augustana. Yeah, I, I knew – Yeah, that's I, why I couldn't find it because I didn't know that that was a college. Yeah, uh, I, thought, I thought he went to a uh, non-Division one. Tyrod Taylor. Virginia Tech. What what Steve, list did Tyrod Taylor come up with Googling best quarterbacks? Best quarterbacks. He's on there. Bob Greasy's on there. <laughs> Purdue. To Michigan. Oh, yeah, Purdue. Yeah, Brian Greasy went to Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> Steve McNair went to Alcorn State. Where did Boomer yeah. Esiason go? 
You just asked me that, Maryland. How do you know that? Because old. Donovan McNabb went to Syracuse. I grew, first of all, I grew up in New Jersey, and he was a quarterback for the Jets. And I'm just I know things. Where did Phil Sims go? Morehead State. That's a good one. You knew that. Where did yeah. Ken Stabler go? Alabama. Should we move on? Philip Rivers, NC State from it's Huntsville, just, Alabama. There's a lot of. Uh, where did Joe Namath go to college? Alabama. He's from Pennsylvania. Where did Nick Foles go? Huh? He where went to he... Michigan State in Arizona. Damn right he did. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's <laughs> the most he... pri- that's the most pride I've ever seen you have in your alma mater. Right no, because it's funny. One of the best players in NFL history did go to Arizona, though. I think that's funny. And he Ooh. was there while I was in college. Oh. You don't know who? Yeah. Gronk. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, let's – so this I, – I was looking up Pitt because they lost, obviously, Kenny Minchie. So I found this interesting. The, the two teams that played in the ACC championship game last year, Wake Forest and Pitt, recruiting classes both outside the top 40. Wake is mm. number 40. Pitt is 44. Mm. This is staggering. Wake's highest-rated – class of the modern recruiting era and this is a program that's won a lot of games 51 they've never had a top 50 class yeah and it's funny because everybody thinks winning one year or two years is enough to change it and it's not it's just not that's i mean i i should have looked it, i meant to look it up but what they, does this one win mean for my team's recruiting I, I don't know i mean wake forest won 11 games last year didn't they yeah well this kind of proves your theory wrong because they're on the verge of their best class ever yeah, so, well, so, okay, maybe I'm wrong. But, maybe but they went to, 11, they've gone to like five state. Their five best state class programs. is ranked 41 or whatever it is. Well, their best class is ranked 51, and they have a top. They have their class this year is 40. Let's go. Well, they got the top hat collective too. Don't forget about um, that. Yeah, I tried to meet up with uh, with our buddy at the game the other day. But he and what was, happened? Uh, well, I got there really early. And he decided to live his life and didn't care. <laughs> no, I just okay. said hey. <laughs> I sent him a, a DM. I said hey, if you're out tailgating. I'm just roaming around the stadium, and he said, would love to meet up, but I'm driving in from Charlotte. I'm not going to get there for about another hour. So that was it. So I did not. Um, so, all right, let's go over some – because there's some notable decommitments. One of them you just slacked me earlier because it's a guy you wrote about. And uh-huh. I, I actually had this as a note in the pod, a bullet point. Arian Carter from Smyrna, which is outside of Nashville, who you wrote about, who's just blown up – was still committed to Memphis. And my question to you was, if you're the Memphis staff and the guy's committing to Al- – he's visiting all these places. He's visiting Alabama. He's going on official visits everywhere. Do you just let him do what he wants? Or at some point you say, hey, dude, just just let's what, go ahead and get it done. Just decommit. We know you're not coming here. Or do you just ride it out? And what say, do they hey, care? I mean, right. they, they're recruiting the position probably as if he doesn't exist. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there's just like there's certain times – and that's why like being a group of five coaches is so hard. And I was actually talking to Andy about this the other day. It's just like Bowling Green was the worst team in college football two years ago, and then they just won on went on on Tuesday night to yeah. in a rivalry game, and I think they're over five hundred and are doing really well in the MAC. It's like, do you know how hard of a job it is to turn around a MAC program? Like how difficult that is. Um, and I don't think people have much of an appreciation for what it takes to win at the Group of Five level. And I just know that I'm Mister Stars Matter and. Everyone always accuses me for only caring about Alabama and Georgia, but like I do have a understanding and appreciation for what it takes to win at that level. And I also know that they're put in positions that are impossible to succeed in sometimes. It's like, even if you are really good at your job and you find somebody who's a late bloomer, um, 
that's going to be really good in college. Even if he if he blooms a month too soon, then you lose him because uh, Alabama is going to discover him later and beat you to it. And it's just kind of like, well, that's just the name of the game. And I think that if you are a coach in that position, you have to, you know, wish the young man well and and understand that's kind of the way it goes. And then maybe if things don't work out well for him at Alabama or Ohio State or wherever he ends up, then maybe he'll transfer back. You know, I think that's the uh, that's the the game plan now. Yep, no doubt. So the point is that about an hour after I made this note, Arian Carter posted on Twitter that he was decommitting. I think he's, he's going to Auburn this week for an official visit. So the guy yep. that uh, has his choice of schools. Um, Brandon Henderson, offensive lineman, flipped from Iowa State to Illinois. Kid from East St. Louis, Illinois, 996 nationally. Here's one. Daniel Harris, four-star cornerback from Georgia, number one from – from Miami, who was committed to Georgia, number one fifty-four nationally, decommitted. Looks like have you been? Looks like some Penn State. Yep, uh, that would be a great get for Penn State. Um, Cameron Calhoun, three-star cornerback, top five hundred kid, so close to a four-star from Cincinnati, decommitted from Cincinnati. And here's a, here's another notable one. The Jida, this one slipped by me. I didn't see it. Rico Walker, four-star edge from Hickory, North Carolina, from decommitted from North Carolina. He was North Carolina's second highest rated yeah. recruit at 208. We've talked repeatedly about how this is not a great year in state. That's a blow. That, for that was a Brown. blow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that he was a top seven player in North Carolina and North Carolina now is only left with one top seven player in the state of North Carolina. Um, I think his name's J. Bron Harvey. Uh, he's in Durham. Yeah. And I think he's just outside or just inside the top 200. But no top uh, 100 players out of the state of North Carolina are going to North Carolina as we speak. Uh, the defensive lineman Hobbs from Concord, North Carolina, seems to be you know in the mix there. But Tennessee is also heavily in the mix, so we'll see how it goes, and you know we'll see if North Carolina can make a push to to make this year exciting on the field, and maybe that'll pay some dividends for them. But just a tough look right now for them. Yeah, speaking of North Carolina, saw Drake May in person, and he is one of the best college quarterbacks I've seen in person. I gotta I, say, if you're gonna pick I, a game to go to, Mitch, you picked a hell of a game. That, that was, was fun. fun. Yeah, it was a, it was it was a good one. It was um, fun to watch. I was sweating like I was watching cops on my on my. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, I've always said that Danny Warfel was the best college quarterback I've seen in person. Um, and have Drake you like, May, not been to a game for the last twenty years? No, I've been to a lot. Actually, it's kind of like I saw um, I saw a lot of SEC quarterbacks in person doing sidelines for Vanderbilt. Like, and Danny Dan- Werfel was the best one you've ever seen. Best college. How old were you in '96? Nine. Okay, like people. If you're old enough, I'm not he, saying that Danny Werfel. He was an good. amazing college over the course of 20 years of covering well, SEC football. You would think you would have seen somebody better. I, I, he was like I saw Joe Burrow and per- that offense was incredible. But it's like they had just guys everywhere, and those Florida teams did too. But dudes just, everywhere, Mitch. They had dudes everywhere. Um, North Carolina has good players. I mean, Downs is a good receiver, but they're not loaded like some of these, you know, like LSU was. I saw Jalen Hurts in person. He was great. Um, so, you know, Tebow's seen some really good quarterbacks, but I've always said that – that uh, who do you think the best quarterback you've seen in person is? One of the Ohio State guys? No. Well, best college quarterback? I yeah, that's on Braxton Miller. Okay. Um, but that might be the very hottest take. Um in the world i i saw um i mean justin fields was pretty incredible yeah you saw him one year would you cover them I covered him for an entire year okay it, his my last year on the beat was his first year starting for ohio state um but there were there were some 
I mean, I saw Russell Wilson in person. Would you have ever thought he'd be a good NFL quarterback when you saw him? I mean, I I also covered games that Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson played in. Okay. Like there, I mean, like oh, that's why I was so surprised he would say that because I, I never saw Clemson in person. I didn't see those guys. Um, but over the course of the, your sideline, I saw two as a backup. He came in in the fourth quarter of a game, and the SEC so. especially. Yeah. Like you didn't ever see Cam Newton, <laughs> like. Uh, no, did not. Yeah, you know, okay. Not well, then maybe before. maybe you're just not. I saw not Justin right. Fields come in for one play for Georgia. Came in and ran the ball like two yards and then came out. Came out, and yeah. then that was the that was history. Yeah, but like Cam Newton would probably be it. Like, what about Tim Tebow? Like, was that before Tebow was night? great? But I I thought Werfel was better. Tebow was fun to watch. Um, I think you could make a case that Tim Tebow was the greatest college football player of all time. He might have better. Well, Werfel had a great career too. And John, our producer, who's a little bit older than you and just wiser, said Werfel better than Tebow. I don't think John is that much older than me. I think well, I might be older than him. Okay, he's wiser, at least. Um, John, you want to chime in here? Tebow being the best quarterback of all time is is a hot take. It's best that's, player. That, oh. That's even worse. I Thank bet you, you if you put a, a random Twitter poll, John, and said, who do you think was the best college football player the last – a lot of people would say Tebow. But here's the problem. People love Tebow right. for, for more than just his ability on the field. Like leadership, that speech, and all that stuff. He's more beloved even though Warfel went a high And I think that Warfel stuff was, was so overrated. Warfel was incredible. Like, I just, mean, I, I think you could make the case, too, that Tim Tebow wasn't even the best Florida Gator of his era. Like, Tim, like Percy Harvin was better than him at football. Um but I'm just trying to think, like... I had to hop in on this discussion. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, Tim Tebow, uh, I guess he's kind of legend, legendary, and won the Heisman, I, but I they feel, won a national title, and he was, like, an awesome... So Darren Wolfel. But what, what, what's, what, I think, honestly, what I was going to say is, is that, like, Urban coming along and Tebow with him and then all of that success during that era kind of, like, shoved the Spurrier, Wolfel... Uh, Rex Grossman, all the, the fun and gun era, like under the rug. People forget about that because the urban yeah. rain was so like intoxicating. People loved it. And and Werfel is there. And by the way, Danny Werfel is somebody that is like <clears throat> probably the most down to earth guy in the world. It's you never hear from him, you know, so it's easy to forget about Danny Werfel. Yeah. You know, and the thing that's interesting too, is that like, you could go back and look at like, he had a rocket arm, right? No, Warfel did not. He didn't? That's why I didn't make it in the NFL. He was just his ball placement, smarts, just threw the ball where it was supposed to go. Like, this was before, like, the back shoulder became a thing. People didn't really throw back shoulder. Just, like, he would throw the ball, like, over Are you saying that shoulder. Danny Werfel invented the back shoulder throw? No, I'm saying this was before the back shoulder. Like, you know, he would just – because I just remember seeing him just, like, the ball placement, throwing it right over someone's shoulder. Yeah, but, like, um, the best college quarterback thing is a really interesting distinction because, like – if you gave Braxton Miller a hundred years of training to play NFL quarterback, I don't think he could do it for a minute, but like he also had an intense skill set that made him the most unique weapon, a human, like a, a coach could ever have at the quarterback position. And he played for the right coach. Too. And like, the, I mean, he used to make people fall over with one hesitation move. Like I've never seen somebody elude tacklers the way that he eluded them. And he had a good enough arm in the college space to get it to where it needed to go. Um, and that, I mean, like JT Barrett was a great college quarterback because he could get the ball five yards. Okay. Uh, I've got a fly on my face. I don't know. Um, you, look like, you look like Jabba Chamberlain in the 2000 whatever playoffs with the, the, in Cleveland. Roll tribe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll have to open it up to listeners. You let us know who the best quarterback you yeah. saw was. And, and the best non quarter, the two best non quarterbacks that I was in my, 
seven years doing sideline, A.J. Brown, wide receiver for Ole Miss, and Derek Barnett, defensive end for Tennessee. Just being on the field, like, you, you can't – there's a lot of stuff on the field that you can't see when you're down there. Just like I don't know how coaches process that, but certain things you can appreciate. And being so close to a defensive end like that and a wide receiver like that was just it was okay. Awesome. So, do you want to hear my actual hot take for the best player I think of in history of college football? Let's hear it. And if John is offended, he can come back in. But I think Lamar Jackson's the best player that's ever played college football. <laughs> that was a, how quickly John's screen came open there. No, no, I came to say I agree with you, man. I, 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 the one thing that I'll take to my grave is how disappointed I was in some NFL analysts saying that Lamar couldn't be a quarterback in the NFL coming out of Louisville. Did anybody watch this man play? It was insane. It's like truthfully a cheat code. And he still is a cheat code in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. and if you go like watch his highlight tape from Louisville, it was just like it's not. it doesn't even look real. It's so – It's. I, I think that like in terms of excitement, like he was cannot miss television. And I don't know if we've seen a player that electrifying since. Yeah, Michael Vick, to me, who I didn't see in person, I always thought was like the most electrifying quarterback until until Lamar. Yeah. And, and I it, think – how, how is he not – we talk about, John, how di- disappointed in NFL analysts. What about college coaches? I mean, like, how, how could you – I didn't see him play in high school, obviously, but how could you look at that guy and say, you know what, I don't know if he can play for us. The tentativeness there, I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think there's like a, a laundry list of things we can go down as far as why potentially someone like Lamar wouldn't get the, the right looks in the NFL. But, I mean, at that point, there there was a lot of players before Lamar, a lot of dual-threat quarterbacks right. in the NFL that had success. So the fact that that GMs and, and analysts in the business weren't ready to you know stick their neck out and say this guy could perform at the highest level uh, is is shocking to me because, like Ari said it, if you go back and watch those Louisville games, it is like you were watching an alien play football against a defense that has legitimately no chance to tackle him. Like one-on-one versus Lamar in space. It was like the best player on the varsity team doing a <laughs> scrimmage against the freshman. Like it was like, what are you going to do? And it's just like yeah. you go down the list, there's a lot of examples of really good co- college quarterbacks that weren't great pros. Like Johnny Manziel should be probably in that conversation, right? Um, I thought about Colt McCoy. People yeah. remember Colt McCoy. He was awesome uh, in college. He's still in the NFL. Uh, and he is still in the NFL, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he did? Yeah. Is he in the uh, Cardinals? I know he's on the team. I didn't know he played over the weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so. All right. Let's, uh, good discussion, though. But, yeah, let us know on Twitter what you think. You ready for the uh, player of the week? Yeah. Uh, was it not Harold Perkins? Well, everyone knows about his recruitment. We're yeah, like, that's true. We're, we're okay, who to did find, you like, find? A, Who'd you a dig diamond, up? A di- Damian Martinez, true freshman at Oregon State, mm-hmm. rushed for 105 yards, 38-10 win over Cal, fourth straight 100-yard game, 729 yards on a 6.0-yard average for the season. He was number 600 in the class of 2022 from Louisville, Texas. So not, not like that obscure. A lot of these guys we've looked at were like, 1300 so you know the people knew about him offers from georgia tech kansas and south and south, uh, san diego state so not really that highly recruited um and like when you think about it like oregon state going all the way into texas to get well, this guy jack who's rogers they've they've actually done well and but yeah, yeah you're right jack quiz um, rogers yeah he was another really good was he from the texas area yeah or 90, he was in, yeah he's from texas i didn't know that yeah um so Martinez rushed for 2,000 yards as a junior and 1,700 as a senior. Don't know why he wasn't more highly rated, but um, 
fun player. There's some him, Jay Knott's good. True, there's some good true freshman running backs in, in the Pac-12. Um, not too many commits this week. We've already gone over some of the flips. Uh, UCLA got a four-star, which is notable for UCLA. Jeremiah McClure, four-star from Southern California, number 261 overall. Uh, Michigan State, four-star linebacker Javon Brown from uh, St. Thomas Aquinas in Fort Lauderdale. He's number 367. Um, bunch of 2024 commits, nothing, you know, some decent, decent guys here. Um, nothing too notable. So, uh, ready for a little mail? Let's see what we got from the mailbag. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Cause I'm, I'm excited about this trivia question. I think I've been on a pretty good run of trivia. Your, your trivia questions are always great, Mitch. Thanks buddy. Appreciate it. I've um, never been like, that's a crappy question. Uh, thanks. Um, This is this is interesting. Mark N. Having having very much enjoyed seeing Jaden Rashad a flip from Miami to Florida, go Gators. How does the recruitment of a player differ from when he hasn't committed versus when you're trying to flip a committed player? I've heard coaches say actually they like recruiting a guy after he's committed because they have got one school to go against. They know who they're recruiting against. Well, I mean that's not always the case though. I know, I know. Uh, I've just heard coaches. I don't know say how that. much different it is. I think it's up to the player to. I mean, sometimes a player will commit and he'll be like, I don't want to get calls or texts or emails from anybody. Leave me alone. And then when those recruitments happen, they die down. But if a player is committed um, and he still wants to take visits and uh, go, you know, on the phone and FaceTime and do all that stuff, then, you know, it's like what Brett Venable says, right? They're not truly committed. Um and then that way, I think that's just kind of approach it like game on and you kind of know who the, the leader is or the team to beat is. But, you know, the, the game is, can you get the kid on campus? Can you get him to like you enough to commit? And can you get a signature? And it's like whether he's committed or not is just verbal semantics, you know, sometimes. And it's just like we there are a lot of players who are committed in classes and going against their ranking right now um, that aren't truly committed to that program. And might like it's my favorite thing in the world when a player that's committed has an announcement ceremony. It's like, how is it different? It's not at all. He's currently committed. He said he wanted to go there six months ago, but now he visited Tennessee, uh, Florida, Georgia, and Texas, and he wants to know whether or not he still wants to go to Baylor. It's like that's didn't Austin Nova say? Yeah, that's that's yeah. <laughs> Baylor. That's kind of what I was thinking. Uh, and those weren't the teams that were going after him. Notre Dame and Ohio State were, but you you get the point. Yeah. And, and Baylor ended up winning out on that commitment, and they're going to get him. So uh, I don't know that it's it differs all that much. Yeah. Um, there's a question about Arizona, but I want to um, yes, I want to frame it this way. Again, this is going. How many in, national titles are they going to win under Jed Fish? Eight in the next seven years, they're going to win eight national titles. Um, this goes against the theory of one game. How much one game can can help your recruiting? But I will say, Arizona's win at UCLA late Saturday was probably, from a recruiting standpoint, one of the most impactful Bear wins of the entire season, and I'm including Arizona. Tennessee's win over Alabama. Because bear they're <laughs> down red and blue, bear down Arizona, hit them hard, let them know who's who. That's the worst fight song I've ever heard in my entire life. Arizona recruits Southern California very heavily for them to go in and beat UCLA, which you, when UCLA is having its best year in, I don't know, six, eight years. Late in the year when it meant so much, I think that that staff is going to I whatever they do See, there's with, a difference though between like oh you upset somebody and it doesn't matter it's like that was a transcendent win for what Arizona is trying to build 
And that is they did a, it with some Southern California. They did it with some Southern California players. They did it against a team that was is still in the mix for the Pac-12 championship. They did it on the road, and we're talking about a team that couldn't win a game in the Pac-12 the last few years, right? Like the idea that Jed Fish is adding good players to the team and those like T Mac McMillan, the yeah. the receiver that they got out of Southern California, caught the touchdown pass at the end of the game that helped Arizona win. It's just like when you add dudes, some places. You know, that's what I was making a joke. Like Arizona before was dudes nowhere. And now they've got dudes some some places. Yeah. And in some of those places, they show up and they win you a football game. So, like, I don't think that I look at that and go, wow, Arizona's a one-off. They accidentally upset somebody and, you know, it'll never happen again. I think it was a testament to what they're building and, and a belief system that Arizona actually could be a very good football program or a, a competitive program in the future as long as they stay the course. So, you know, um, how, how it fits in the context of where your program's at also – is, is important to that narrative of how much does a single win mean? This is the first time in the history of Stars Matter where both of Alma Mater's won a conference game in the first, same day. I, I, I don't think that's happened since 2001. So, well, like, it, yeah. it, it's Vanderbilt. I was the sideline reporter the last time Vanderbilt won a conference game. Were you fired up? I was excited for the Commodores. I was were in you, hotel room. Were you fired up? Yeah, I was fired did up. Do one of these fist pumps? Um, yeah, I think so. I probably did. Um, yes. Was watching it by myself in a hotel room. So, um, that was a shit pumping too. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, that nothing fluky. Just, just beat them. Just beat, beat them. them. Um, so Martin yeah. Simmons is a genius. Clark Lee gets a lifetime contract extension. We're all flying high, right? It, totally. Totally. Um, there was no name on this question. We don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but this is just an intriguing program that we have talked a lot about. And Will Maryland ever be able to compete in the Big Ten East? I think the best thing for Maryland that would be if the Big Ten went away from divisions. Would you agree yeah, with that? I guess, yeah. Yeah, as long as they don't have to play good teams, they could maybe they could maybe be good. Is that what okay. you're saying? Okay, yeah. So are you saying they should join so, yeah, the I think the answer USA? to that question is no. Like, okay. Because like if you're like, yeah, as long as they avoid playing the best teams in the conference, they'll be <laughs> yeah. fine. I think that's a that's an admission that they are not in a position to do so. I don't know what it takes because Maryland, like I actually think there is a chance, and I might be very wrong, but I think there's a chance don't that Maryland is going to play a very close game for at least a half with Ohio State this weekend. Like if Ohio State is like 100% in on Michigan, they got half? some. That's not saying much though. No, I'm just saying like they're going to give them a game for a little bit. I don't think it's going to be 28 nothing at the end of the first. Were you quarter. at like the 75 70 yes. game a few years ago? Yeah, that was, was highly worst game I've ever seen in my entire life. That was hilarious. It was the most entertaining game, but it was like that. This is like the end of the, it was like the end of the Urban Meyer era, like in front of our faces. That was like awful. Um, okay, so Maryland's been outscored fifty-three to ten in the last two weeks against Wisconsin and Penn State. They're what makes you think they're going to play well? Yeah, maybe they won't. I don't know. They just have sneaky good talent at certain places that people don't. They've got some dudes at for. skill player, at skill position. Yeah, they've got good skill position players. Now, does that mean that Ohio State's going to not win sixty-three to ten? I don't. know. Maybe they will. Most Maryland games that I've, I've – is the game in Ohio too? Uh, it's in Maryland. Okay, so maybe that helps a little bit. But, you know, the funniest thing about it too is that the game doesn't even matter for Ohio State. They can go out and lose and it doesn't matter at all. As long as they win the Big Ten, they're going to the playoff. It's like they should just cancel the game and not risk injury. Or just bring their like what, – what, I don't know when the – I think the SEC you can travel like 70, 60-something guys. What's the Big Ten's probably the same. Just Yeah, because you don't want anybody to lose rest in case the yeah. bus gets a flat tire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's peril. They're, probably, it's they're the, probably flying. It's peril for no reason. Well, I don't want the airplane to uh, have a pop tire on the runway and cause a delay <laughs> and have somebody have a sore neck because they're on the airplane too long. Yeah. Um, so – 
if you had to buy stock in a program within their own conference over the next 10 years, Maryland or Arizona? Arizona. Is it based on the more on the competition in that league? Yes. Okay. Also the direction that they're currently headed in. And I think California is a more fertile ground for a team like Arizona to build than Maryland. Is. The mighty Terps happen to be six and four and already bowl eligible, by the way. Yeah. And they're probably going to finish six and eight. Wait, It'd be six Buffalo, six, Charlotte, right? SMU, Michigan State, Indiana, and Northwestern. That's right. Yeah. Um, it's electric. Trivia? It's electric. Trivia? Trivia? <laughs> Can you sing Bear Down one more time for us? No. Why not? When they win the Pac-12, I'll sing it with my shirt off for you. Okay. Definitely. All right. Um, what the hell? Did you lose the question? I printed the wrong one. God. Can you well, just I've read got it a, off your computer screen? Yeah, I'm going like, to. I like having to print out. Do you file your taxes by mail? No. I mean, Calvin doesn't. Um, do you have so, a landline? So we, we, my new computer does not isn't does not work with my What's printer. What's it like to have so a printer? I have to email my old computer and print off that way, and I sent the wrong document. So now I'm just fine. I mean, I've got the file. I just I'm, why don't you I'm, just read I'm it flustered. off the computer screen like I, everybody? I'm doing, else. but I'm flustered right now because you're. You should Morse me. code it to your printer and then <laughs> print it out and then laminate it and then ask the question. I think I do a pretty good job planning for the show. I know you, you do. do. I just you didn't do know. zero prep. I know. So. I'm the talent. <laughs> um, I think you mispronounced annoying. Uh, okay, ready? Can you hurry this up because I want you to put my column on the internet? I had okay. One of our listeners asked me that the trivia question should be, can you ask Ari to spell exacerbate? I couldn't do it. Okay. <laughs> you know what else I can't do? I can't what? spell restaurant. Okay. There's I some, cannot, I, I cannot there's, spell that word. I'm not a great speller, and there's some. I've got some things. I, I can't type certain things. Okay, ready? 2019 recruiting class. Oh, boy. Quarterbacks? Over 100 quarterbacks signed with FBS programs. I didn't do the – Official count because some of them are, you know, walk-ons and you can't tell. How many of the 100-plus quarterbacks that signed with FBS programs are now – are currently starting for the schools that signed them? What was the total number? Well, it's well over 100. Just think uh, of all the quarterbacks so that signed with the 100 and, I guess at the time, 30 programs in the FBS, how many are starting for the school they signed with? They, this is their fourth year of college. Understand Four of the, the top five are. No, they're not. Are you 2019? Are, are you cheating? No. If you ask me if I'm cheating one more time, we're not doing trivia ever again. <laughs> 2019 class? I mean, Spencer yeah. Rattler star. Oh, for the school that recruited them. Yes. Oh. 17. Six. What? Is that staggering? That is crazy. Six? That's a good question, huh? Yeah, that was a good. Uh, it was a good question, but the question wasn't great. But the answer made it better because the well, answer is insanity. It's a little convoluted. It's hard. Well, okay, so because Jaden Daniels and Bo Nix and right, Spencer but Rattler the, but the point all... is that no one starts for the school they sign with, and it's even crazier when there's only three of the top sixty. The guys are Graham Mertz, number four in the class at Wisconsin. Getting a call from someone in Nebraska. I don't know any other than Mitch Sherman. I don't know anyone in Nebraska. Max Dugan, Dugan, Duggan, Duggan, Dugan, Duggan. Number ten at TCU. KJ Jefferson, number twenty-five at Arkansas. 
Peyton Thorne, 64 at Michigan State. Daquan Finn, number 66 at Toledo. And Brett Gabbert, number 71 at Miami of Ohio. Hank Bachmeyer was starting for Boise State earlier this year, but he transferred. So six. Did you say KJ Jefferson? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But some of them went to the pros, didn't they? So that's like Sam Howell's the only one. Sam Sam Howell, Howell, yeah. He's the only one. Okay. Yeah, that's crazy. So you can account him. I mean, sure, we could throw him in. So. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm going to go look up the list here real quick. Yeah, go ahead. It's funny because I had to. I had a call with Manny Navarro, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he called me literally right when I figured that finished that question. So like, I didn't even say hello to him. I just said, "Hey, trivia question for you." He was closer than you, but not. I think he said ten. Um, Do you have the list yet? Yeah, Spencer Rattler not at his school. Bo Nix not at his school. Jaden Daniels not at his school. Sam Howell in the NFL. Dylan Morris is not at his school, right? Talia Tagovailoa is not at his school. Garrett Schrader. You still there? Garrett Schrader's not at a school. Yeah, it's crazy. Dewan Mathis left his school very quickly. John Rice Plumley's not at a school. Connor Basilak's not at a school. Grant Canell's not at a school. No one's at their school. Yep, people transfer nowadays. These kids that today are they can't they can't commit. You left the chat and I had to keep naming names off I know. you came back. So I know I made it. Is that it for the show? I made a tactical error. Yeah. Did you accidentally exit out of your window? Well, I, I, I used the browser that I'm on to – I wanted to call up that, that list. Yeah. Yeah. But see, no one would have known that if you didn't out me there. Guy can't pronounce a sheet and the whole thing <laughs> comes unraveled. You know. <laughs> well, Mitch, uh, thank you so much for being a tremendous host. For Hanukkah this year, I'm going to get you a, uh, a yeah. new pr- a laser jet inkjet printer. I don't need one. I'm fine. No, I want you to have one, a new one that works with your current computer so you don't have to email your old computer in order to print out your files. It might be able to get you a filing cabinet and a three-wing binder with a hole puncher. So you I, know can I, I, know your, I know what I'm getting your daughter. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That, is that a commitment or is she just – I was eating dinner at the island the other night, and, like, Britt was talking about, like, with her mom because her mom was over, my mother-in-law, about, like, where she wants Livy to go to college. And she goes, we're going – she's going to Nashville. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, our daughter's going to Vanderbilt. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, is this chili in my mouth? Is this a commitment? Uh, a chili in my mouth. And I'm like, is Mitch like talking to you right now? <laughs> she's going to Arizona and she's going to be an awesome time down there. And she's going to be viable in the workforce. And my hope is that Mitch's daughter ends up at an Arizona school for law school. Maybe. You never know. Um, so live from what I've seen from her. She looks like a, she looks like a Vanderbilt girl. She could hang. I don't know what that means. Yeah. She's a cute girl. Are Vanderbilt girls cute girls? All right. Uh, somebody said on the Andy Staples show chat last night that I have a minus 1000% chance of being canceled in my career. So I think I'm going to end it there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening to the latest edition of stars matter. I thought that was a solid show. Um, we're not 100% sure about what we're going to do about Thanksgiving next week. We're going to try to do a show, but if we don't, we're also going to spend time with our families and we'll hit you next week. So either we'll talk to you next week or the week after I promise you, we're not leaving you. We love you. Thanks for listening. That was stars matter. Thank you.